Hello, my friend, and welcome to this episode of A Call to Leadership. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, your host. I'm so glad you are here. Well, if you started a business and you started on your own, perhaps you didn't have a lot of cash and investment and resources for that business, you might have found that you were wearing all the hats. You were finding that you were doing the marketing and the sales and the finances and the vision casting and the planning and the analysis and the innovation and all of the pieces that went into the business. You were budgeting and record keeping and you thought you were doing it okay, but you knew I'm missing something. And for me, I found I was wearing all those hats and I thought I was going to have wealth. I thought I was going to save money, but I found that not only was I busy I was broke. This idea of being busy and broke is such a revolving roller coaster for a lot of business owners. And I think we're going to pinch some pennies. Maybe we won't hire that bookkeeper. Maybe we'll go to a website and try to find our own legal documents. Maybe we'll try to wear the hats that our business needs professionals and experts in. Why? Because we don't have money to pay people. And what we find is that we end up in a worse situation because we just can't turn the corner. Sometimes it does work out for a little while. For me, it did. I was okay for a while and I was just getting by. Yeah, I was still broke. Yeah, I was still super busy, but at least I was paying the minimum bills. I was surviving and I had to make a decision. Is that where I wanted to stay? Did I just want to stay in surviving? And I didn't think about it. I was young. I was only in my early 20s, but I didn't realize the power of firing myself, literally getting rid of myself from different activities and moving into a place where I knew if I gave up, I would get up. But the truth is I was procrastinating. You know, I had this idea of procrastination because I was waiting, waiting. I had delayed action. And delayed action, my friend, is a recipe for failure. When we're talking about wealth building, when we're talking about building strong businesses, what does procrastination look like? What does delayed action look like? Well, when it comes to our finances, it's just putting off those important decisions, those financial decisions. Perhaps it's hiring someone. Perhaps it's moving some money aside for retirement, investing in others, investing in the market, releasing the responsibilities so that we can significantly impact our wealth building progress. I mean, the power of compounding our interests, not just, by the way, money interests, but our interests in the production of our output is maximized when we take action early and so that we don't delay the planning around building our financial portfolio of wealth. And sometimes it comes down to people. Sometimes it comes down to where we invest our finances and money. But at the end of the day, it can lead to this potential for long-term wealth accumulation. And I want to make a point. Procrastination is not the same thing as patient decision-making. There's a difference. And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes we wait and we wait for the information to come in that we need to make a decision. Sometimes we have to think about it. I don't like to make decisions, especially buying decisions. I don't like to make them right then and there. When I'm faced with an opportunity, I'd like to, what, sleep on it. Allow some of the data to come in. Allow some of the emotion to decrease. You ever hear about buyer's remorse? You get it, perhaps your endorphins are kicking and you've got the dopamine 
and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to buy that product. I'm going to buy that car, that TV. I'm going to hire that person. Give yourself a little time to think through the decision. You say, Nate, they're telling me that if I don't buy this timeshare right now, I'm not going to get the deal. Have you ever been in the timeshare room? This is where you get the free two days in a resort. All you have to do, just the one thing is just give up 90 minutes of your life and listen to this presentation. There's no pressure, no commitment required. And so what do you do? We did it many times. My wife and I, when we were younger, we didn't have a lot of cash to pay for hotels and resorts. So we got the two to three nights and then we sat through the timeshare. And sometimes it was okay, but other times it was grueling. I mean, Every single manager that had to come up and write down a new number and you hear the balloons popping in the background and somebody cheering because they just bought the timeshare for a week in wherever. And it was such high pressure that I told myself eventually, I will never do this again. And fortunately, the good news is I never caved in to buying the timeshare because my philosophy was, I'm sorry, I can't make that decision today. If the deal isn't here tomorrow, that's okay. I was living before the deal. I can live after the deal. I don't have to give in to my impulses. And if you listen to any of the episodes on money management we've been having in this series, impulse is not my friend. Delayed gratification is my friend. So there's a difference between procrastination and delayed gratification based on information. Procrastination is making an excuse when I have the data I need to make a decision. So there's this procrastination cycle, if you will, right? So first I procrastinate, and then I feel guilty about my procrastination, and then I panic, and then I make excuses, and I go through this cycle. Has that been you? It's been me. I've procrastinated. And procrastination, in some ways, it's also called uh, analysis paralysis. Sometimes you, and myself, being an analyst, will just pour over the data and get paralyzed through analysis. I've done this before. Actually, I'm going to be transparent. I'm looking at a new space for renting an office. And we're planning on merging two of our offices into one central location. And I've been pouring and praying over this decision. It's a big decision. I'm merging. I'm moving. There's additional cost. There's a lot of factors. And it's a scary decision. It's okay to admit that some decisions are a little nerve-wracking because the change, there's some unknowns involved. Sometimes there's concerns. Will people still come to my business even if I move? Now, I've been in business almost 30 years. I've moved several times over. It's always been okay. People have found us. Plus today in the internet generation and the dawn of all the tools we have for web conferencing and DocuSigns and e-signatures and so on and so forth, many, many people don't even come into the office anymore. So I have to make a decision because I've been going through this cycle, this procrastination, this guilt. I haven't panicked yet, but I've been on the verge of like, oh my goodness, what if the office space that I want to rent goes away. Well, then there's probably something else, but then I got to start over, right? So the idea is if you have the decision-making information, then take that information. You have to leverage yourself so that your wealth grows without driving you into the ground. And so you can't do that when you're just waiting, waiting, waiting for the perfect opportunity. Sometimes perfect opportunities don't come and you can't procrastinate. I've found even with those in my camp during the COVID 
crisis and entrepreneurs and business owners who had an opportunity to perhaps take the funds for growing the EIDL funds versus those who didn't. You know, I've had other some come to me and say, Nate, should I take this money? Should I not take this money? What should I do? And we walk through the answers and sometimes it was a good move to do it and sometimes it wasn't. But the individuals who I was counseling took action, take action. So what are some of the things I need to take action on? Are you doing too much in your company? Are you wearing too many hats, right? Is it time to fire yourself? You've got to ask that question. I have a four-part formula for getting out of the routine of not having enough time being broke and busy at the same time. First thing I want to do is automate. Automate everything that can be automated, processes, systems, phones, you name it. Automate processes. For example, on our phone system, there's an automated person who says, this is press one for this, press two for that. You need an appointment, press three. That's an automation. Automating email, automating calendars. We've got an automated calendar. You press some buttons and you get our calendar so that you can make an appointment. Automation is an important tool to use when you are trying to not only streamline, but it also makes you more efficient because it cuts down on your cost. So that automation is critical. Then make sure that everything that can be delegated, and I mean everything that can be delegated, delegate out. I have had such a problem with delegation over the years. I am a doer. You may be a doer too. And I found that I had to always do, 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 and I didn't delegate. I held on to things too much to my own detriment. By the way, to the detriment of the team. Because what message does it send when you're doing all the work and you don't give it to your team? You're giving the message that you don't trust the team to do the work. Give it away. Release it. Now, I'm not saying to release it before they're ready. Train them. Teach them. Help them become educated. Give them what they need so that they can then be delegated to the work. And then, remember this, friend, it's never going to be perfect the first time. Because with you, with me, it wasn't perfect the first time. There will be some mistakes along the way because people are learning along the way. If you've been doing something for 10, 15, 20 years, even five years, even two years, you're going to do it better than someone just starting out. So give some grace And don't give people responsibilities that you are setting them up for failure if they're high value or high importance and you know that there's a possibility for significant error, i.e. in the tax world. I would have a new tax preparer so many returns over and over and over again before they prepared a return for a live client. These would be test returns. And then once they became proficient through the test returns, we would do the live client. I would review it, make sure that the tax client and the preparer were verbalizing that this is a newer preparer, that all the records will be reviewed. So then once they're reviewed by a senior preparer, then we'll sign off on it, right? This is the method of delegation. So when you're delegating, make sure that you're not simply just handing off something and saying, go for it, unless there has been the proper system and process set up to set them up for success. Now, I haven't always done this. Early on in my career, I was high process, high systems. And then over time, I had a lot of the same people and some of the processes changed, but we didn't document them because people just knew their role. That was a problem later when new people came in. 
because we didn't document the new ways to do the processes. And so essentially what I was doing, I was setting up for failure, even though I was not procrastinating and handing off work, I was not preparing my individuals based on a specific expectation, based on a specific system. Make sure your systems are strong and clear and that you've identified every single step in the process. If that's not you, by the way, if you're like, Nate, I'm just not that person, bring that person in, whether it be a member of the team, there's likely perhaps a process person on the team. If not, bring someone in to help with the processes. And sometimes, again, back to bringing someone in, sometimes it doesn't have to be a live person. Sometimes it can be AI. Sometimes you can use your chat box for AI and ask for a system and set. I love checklists and I've used the AI model to create checklists for me. I will then review those checklists, modify them, add, remove, and it sets up for a nice baseline of the requirement for a specific role. Sometimes you can't use those because the roles are very specific. Once you've automated, once you've delegated, then the next thing you do is eliminate, automate, delegate, eliminate everything off of your plate that you are not a genius zone person in, something that is not in your highest and best use, something that is not your highest ROI. I was recently having a conversation with a client who is a $100 an hour client, and this client is doing administrative work. And so the administrative work pays about $15 an hour is what the going rate is for this particular type of work. So we had the conversation. Said this person said, "Well, I just want to save money." Okay, well, let's do the math. Your fee is a hundred dollars an hour. So for every hour that you bill, it's a hundred dollars. For every hour that you do admin work, it's worth fifteen dollars. So you're paying one hundred dollars an hour for fifteen dollar an hour work. So you're overpaying by eighty five dollars per hour. Is that the best use of your money? Is that the best stewardship of your money? No. So eliminate it. What do you do when you eliminate? So you've delegated everything you thought, but then you go back and you make sure that everything has been eliminated from your plate that's a non-essential. And then what do you do? You redelegate that out. Okay. That's that check method. That's that rinse method. And then participate. So automate, delegate, eliminate, and participate. Participate in the growth. Participate in the wealth building, the financial progress that you're going to have with your business. Those are the aspects. Those are the ways in which we fire ourselves. Great example of Walt Disney in this way. He fired himself as soon as he could from his animation work. And he didn't really animate that much after he first got started. He hired great animators. He didn't even animate Mickey Mouse. He didn't draw it out. Now he did do Mickey Mouse's voice. Because that was in his genius, because he understood how he desired for Mickey to sound and his inflections, and so on. So that's the idea. And when it comes to his procrastination delayed action, Walt Disney was not a procrastinator. Walt Disney did not delay his action. In terms of money, great example of this. He said this, I think of money as a tool. I don't want to bank my dividends from my Disney stock. I'd rather keep it, keep that money working. And that's the idea of the not procrastinating, not delaying our action when it comes to using our finances, our money wisely. So think of money as a tool and keep it working. How do I keep it working? Like one of the ways Walt Disney kept it working is bringing on great people. He used money to hire great people so that they can produce great work. This is important. And so look at your own finances, especially, and I'm speaking right now, I'm going to speak right now to those who have are in a scale season, if you will, of your business. If you're in a scale season and you've got some cash built up, so you've got 
100,000 or 200 or 500, and you want to start to scale, one of your greatest assets in scaling is going to be utilizing and leveraging some of those funds for excellent people. I cannot understate that. Great people. It's not spending money, by the way. It's investing money. Don't think of it as, oh, I'm letting this money go and it's a waste or it's going to be gone. You're turning that money into people. And before you even do that, have your financial folks show you the ROI, the return on your investment in people. I know that for every person I bring on that is producing for our organization, there's different kinds. There's a cost cycle and a revenue cycle. I'm not going to go into that in this episode. I'm going to have a certain level of return on my investment. Maybe it's two, maybe it's three, maybe it's four times. Uh, the cost will be the revenue. And I'll know then how much that individual investment will return on my investment. You can do that too. They're numbers. It's data. You can obtain that data so that you don't procrastinate and delay your action. So here's some action items. I want you to set very specific financial goals with very clear timelines and attach it to each objective when it comes to how you're going to utilize your money. Break down larger goals and break them down into smaller goals. Manageable steps to facilitate progress. One of your goals is to first go through that entire process of automating everything they automated. That's a financial goal because it's going to save you money. Delegating, eliminating, and participating. And then when you're doing that, Hold yourself accountable. Hold yourself accountable by seeking support from someone, from an accountability partner. They're fantastic. Somebody to say, hey, will you hold me accountable to making sure that I am no longer procrastinating and delaying my action? By the way, again, if you're the kind of person who is a trigger happy, ready, fire, aim, impulse person, this is not a license to be that person, to take those actions. You don't want to be that person. But when you have data that's reliable, then you need to go ahead and make a decision. And then track that progress regularly with your accountability partner. And don't forget to celebrate milestones. Maintain your motivation. Small victories build courage. Long-term wealth accumulation, long-term growth, long-term success of your business are going to be essential to making sure that you're not procrastinating, that you're not busy and broke that you fire yourself and you make the choices to bring the right kind of resources in so you can do your best possible work. Well, my friend, we did it again. I'm so glad you joined me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. If you've been with me on the show, listening in, you'll know this. But if you're new, you may not know that I created a free course for you that you don't need to provide an email address. You don't need to go anywhere, but to stay right here in the podcast. I created the very first six episodes of the podcast because I wanted you to have the kind of value that you need to take advantage of to thrive as a leader. So if you haven't done that yet, listen to episodes one through six, and I'll see you on the next episode. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership.